Well, good morning, church. Glad you are here this morning. Today, we are going to continue in our series, The Mystery of Christmas, an Advent series. And for those of you, maybe it's your first time here through the series, I want to remind you that we are celebrating the, the time of Advent. It's the time of year that many churches across the globe will come together and, and celebrate what's known as Advent. And you say, well, Doug, what is Advent? Advent just means the arrival or the coming of something. And so when we come to Christmas time, we come to celebrate the arrival or the advent of Jesus, that Jesus came into the world, that God sent his son into the world. And so when we come to Advent, we come together to celebrate the first advent, the arrival of Jesus to this world. Now, as believers, we also long for the second advent, that one day Jesus is coming in. Would that be a great day? Amen? It's going to be a great day. It's one that we look forward to. And so while we're waiting for that, we come and we celebrate the Advent, the first time that Jesus came as a baby in a manger. And when you come to Advent, you come to an evergreen wreath that represents the eternal life that we have in Christ. And then there's four different candles that we are going to light. And these candles represent like uh, hope, love, joy, and peace. And then the fifth candle is the Christ candle, because what we have been reminded of every single week, and we'll be reminded of next week as well, is that no matter what you're looking for, hope, joy, love, and peace, there's only one place you can find that, and that's in the person and the work of Jesus. And so we started off lighting the hope candle. And we said from the very get-go that hope for many people, hope is one of those words that we use in the English language that kind of represents wishful thinking. Like, you know, many of you, I said this before, when you propose to your spouse, you kind of had this mindset of, I hope she says yes, because I'm assuming that's the way it went, or I hope I get that promotion. And so hope becomes a sense of wishful thinking. But we said week one that that is not biblical hope. Biblical hope is a certainty that God is going to deliver on his word. Let me tell you something. As believers, if we will buy that, as believers, if we will kind of lock into the notion that I have hope in Christ, which means I have a certainty that God is going to make good on his word, that means this, that there is thousands of promises in scripture. And that means I believe from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head that God is going to deliver on every single promise. That's hope. And while we live and waiting for Jesus to come again, we are called to live in hope because we know that while we are waiting, guess what? God is orchestrating. That while we are waiting, God is at work. So we talked about hope week one. And then last week we talked about love. And much like hope, love is one of those words that the society we live in has robbed it of its true essence and its true meaning. The world we live in, love is nothing more than a strong like for or fondness for something. But we defined biblical love this way last week. If you weren't here, write this down. Biblical love is an unconditional affection and loyalty to someone. Now, the beautiful thing about that definition of love is that differentiates between my, my fondness of my home and the love I have for my wife. Are you with me on that? That differentiates the, the fondness I have for chocolate pie or peach cobbler and differentiates from the love that I have for my heavenly father. And so that's biblical love. And we looked last week that the love that we see most manifested starts with the Christmas story, that God sent his son into the world. But the love of God should compel us, as John said last week, to love who? One another. We are called. In fact, John commands us to love one another and to let the love that God has shown us be our motivation to love other people. Now, today we come to the joy candle. And you might be asking, okay, why is that candle pink 
over every other candle. Well, let me tell you why it's pink, because you may want to geek out and know this, but in the original uh, liturgy of the early church, pink is what represented joy, and so that's why we have pink in our Advent candle. Now, when you come to this notion of joy, it's much like the other words we've talked about. Joy is one of those words that we struggle defining. Because for many people, if I were to take a poll and go, you define for me what joy is, many of you would equate joy and happiness. You would almost make those synonymous. And I would say to you this morning, they are not the same thing. See, happiness is this idea. It's a feeling, right? Happiness is a feeling. Happiness is an emotion. And unfortunately, what we know is happiness is temporary, right? Have you ever had a moment in your life when things were going good and then you got a phone call and all of a sudden that excitement you had is now gone, right? That's called happiness. Well, that's not biblical joy. Biblical joy is not happiness. It's not an emotion. It's not something that's temporary. It's not a feeling. So what is biblical joy? As we talk about joy this morning, we need to know what joy is. So I want you to write this down. Here's a biblical definition for you. Joy is when truth produces gladness and celebration in my soul. That's joy. It's when truth produces gladness and celebration in my soul. I'm going to say one more time because that's really important right now. Joy is when truth produces gladness and celebration in my soul. Now, here's why that's important. Because some of us have had some difficult moments in life. And if we understand biblical joy, here's what that means for us. That means you can be in a bad spot in your life. You can have had some bad things happen to you in your life. You can be in the deepest, darkest tunnel in your life and still have joy. Because your joy is not based on your circumstance. Your joy is not based on your situation. Your joy is based on truth that produces gladness and celebration in my life. So, are you with me on that this morning, church? Well, I'm telling you, some of you, you go through moments in life, you're like, I've just lost my joy. No, you're not happy anymore, but you can still have joy. You can have cancer and be on your deathbed and still have joy. You can have a child that has gone astray and walked away from the faith and still have joy. You can have all the world around you fall apart and you can still have joy. Why? Because your joy is not based on any of that. Your joy is based on truth that produces gladness and celebration in our soul. Here's what that means. Joy then, because of that, joy is not based on our circumstances. It's based on truth. Joy isn't a feeling or an emotion. It's based on truth. Joy, listen, joy isn't temporary. Joy is constant. Listen, some of you need to hear that this morning. Because some of you had a rough go of it. See, here's what I know, especially when it comes to Christmas time. For many of you, when we talk about joy, you're like, yeah, whatever, preacher. Just keep, just let's move on, right? Because you've had, like, for example, my dad was one of those guys. My dad, when I was a, young, in my, young in my childhood, I didn't know this until later because he kind of figured this thing out. But my dad's Christmas was hard for my dad. My dad didn't like Christmas. My dad celebrated Christmas, but he was ready to be done with it. And part of it was his dad died on Christmas Day. And so I didn't learn until later in life that, that my dad was sad because of that. But I'm like, he learned later that he could still have joy because of the truth that we're going to get to today that could produce a gladness and a celebration in his heart, even though he was hurting inside. You can still have joy. And some of you need to know that this morning. 
Now, the other day I was, I was praying, about two weeks ago, I was praying through this message, and I was flipping through TV. It was, just so you know, it was in between one of my Hallmark Christmas movies, and I was flipping through the TV, and I came across a live version of Sonia's favorite movie, which is Annie. That's her favorite movie. It's always been her favorite movie. And so I was flipping through there, and they were doing a live version with Harry Connick Jr. and the whole cast of Annie, and I caught it when the part got to, they were singing The Hard Knock Life. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to sing it, but I'm just going to say it. The hard knock life, right? And I thought for many of you, that's what you've had. You've had a hard knock life. You've had some things come at you. You've had some situations and some struggles and some dilemmas and some obstacles that come, obstacles that come at you. And you've had, for instance, a hard knock life. But even in the middle of the hard times, can you still have joy? Yes, you can have joy. And so what my prayer is this morning, as we jump into the Christmas story, is that for many of us, we would rediscover the joy that we once had, that we would go back and rediscover the joy that is, a, that is a truth that produces a celebration and gladness in our soul. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning. And it's a little bit lengthy of a passage, but you know what? I'm going to ask you to stand anyway in honor of reading God's Word. Luke chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 8. Luke chapter 2 says this, and in the same region there were shepherds out in their field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with what? Come on, what were they filled with? Not fear, but great fear, right? Great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them in heaven, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went in the haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had saw it, they made it known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things up in her heart and pondered them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you for this story. I thank you for this passage, Lord, that it reminds us where we find joy. God, too many of us are looking for situations and circumstances and things in this world to produce joy, and they all fall short. So, Lord, would you help us see in this story, in your story of sending your son, where we can find joy, a joy that is not temporary, but a joy that is constant, a joy that's not based off of circumstance, but based off the truth of this story. So, God, be with us and bless us. In your son's name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Have a seat. Have a seat. Now, what I want to do this morning is a little bit different. I really want to focus in on two verses. I want to focus in and drill down on verse 10 and 11, because what I think is if we're going to rediscover our joy, there's some things that we need to realize this morning. There's some things that the angel says that we need to realize if we're going to rediscover our joy. So look with me. The first thing's found in verse 10. And the angel said to them, these shepherds, fear not, for behold, I will bring you I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Here's the first thing I want us to know. 
If we're going to rediscover our joy, we must realize our joy comes from the good news. Let's put that up on the screen if we could. Our joy comes from the good news. Now, here's what I mean. Our joy, this gladness and this celebration for our soul comes through the truth of the good news. That the reason we can have joy is because the truth of the good news that the angel was sharing with the shepherds that day. And you say, well, Doug, what was that good news? Well, let me just tell you. The good news that was proclaimed that day was a message. It was a message straight from God the Father that was spoken through the angels to the shepherds. That good news that the angels were speaking is good news that Israel had been waiting for for over 2,000 years. That good news was this, is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, he's here. The one you've been waiting for, the one you've been longing for, the one that you've been looking for, the one that is coming to reconcile all things back to God, the one that's coming to save and to seek out those who are lost, the one you've been desperately looking for, guess what? Here's the good news. He's here. He's present. And you need to know that. The Savior of the world has come into the world. Now, I want you to hear me on this church this morning. The place that we find joy is in the truth of the good news. The good news of God's love for us. The good news that God sent his only son into the world to live a sinless and a perfect life to eventually die on a cross for our sin and raise again from the grave. That is good news. Amen? Some people call it the gospel. The euangelion is the actual Greek phrase there. It is the good news to know that, you know what? I stand condemned. I stand a sinner, but God loved me so much in this good news. He sent his son to be a baby in a manger to eventually die on a cross, and that is good news. The good news starts in Bethlehem. And if you and I need to rediscover joy, listen, we need to remember that our joy doesn't come from situations in life. Our joy doesn't come from people in this world. Our joy does not come from our circumstances. Our joy does not come from how much money you have in the bank account. Our joy comes from the good news. That God loved you so much that he sent his son. That's where we find joy. That's what should bring gladness and celebration to our heart. And what we learn in this story is that this good news changed everything. That with the arrival of Jesus, everything changed. In fact, look what the angel said as it relates to this good news. He says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Not just regular joy. Do you notice a while ago it said, and they were greatly afraid, not just afraid, they were greatly afraid. I'm not sure what that looks like. I know what afraid looks like. We scream, you know. In fact, I was, I was interchanging my shirt earlier, and one of the kids came in the bathroom and started singing Jingle Bells as loud as they could. That's what fear would look like for me, because, I mean, it's like screaming at the top of their lungs, freaked out. That's what fear looks like for me. So I know what fear looks like. I'm not sure what great fears look like. I'm not sure. But he says, not only do you have this great fear going on, I'm bringing you good news that can produce great joy, not just joy. Not just a kind of mediocre uh, excitement, not a mediocre celebration, not a mediocre gladness. What I'm bringing to you is news that's going to change the world. The news that I'm bringing to you is great joy kind of news. In fact, there's no other news you're ever going to hear that's going to trump the beauty of this news. So the message of Christ wasn't just good news, it was good news that produced great joy. That these shepherds, because of what they were hearing, had the privilege to experience gladness and celebration in their soul. 
And if we're going to read, listen, if we're going to rediscover our joy, we got to know where our joy comes from. Now hear me on this. Look at me for a moment. Most of us are looking in the wrong places to find joy. Because really what we're looking for is happiness, right? That's what we're looking for. We just want to be happy. No, no, no. Listen, I mean, we all kind of desire to be happy. But here's the thing. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is based on what's going on in our life. Joy is constant. And joy comes from the Lord. And you can be in a terrible spot in your life and still have joy. And so if we're going to rediscover our joy, it begins with our realizing our joy comes from the good news. The second thing I want you to notice is also found in verse 10. Look with me. Let's read it one more time. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Secondly, this joy can be had by all people. If we're going to rediscover joy, we need to understand that this joy can be had by all people. It's interesting, we talked about it a little bit last week, but it's interesting when the announcement came, who the announcement came to. It, came, it, what, it didn't come to the who's who of Israel. It didn't come to the religious leaders of Israel. It didn't come to the most educated. It came to the shepherds, right? The nobodies, the have-nots, the left-outs. That's who it came to. And this joy that's being offered is a gift. Now, the reason I love this is that when the shepherds hear the message that the angels are singing, the, the, angels, is, the angels tell them, I'm bringing you good news that's going to produce great joy. And guess what? This good news, <laughs> listen, you ready? It's going to change everything. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to change the world. And guess what? This good news isn't just for the who's who. This good news isn't just for the religious Pharisees. This good news isn't for just the educated. This good news is for everyone. Now hear me on that. What the angels are saying is this good news transcends nationalities. So it's no longer just about the nation of Israel anymore. It's about the world. This good news transcends ethnic groups. This good news transcends so social categories. This good news transcends every barrier and boundary that the world tries to create because this good news is for all people. And the last time I checked the original language, all people meant, guess what? All people. No exceptions, no exclusions, no one left out. Listen, that is so important for us. To realize, because think about it, if you're the shepherds, listen, if you're the shepherds, what a message to hear. Because just think about it, just, just try to pan back about 2,000 years ago. You're shepherds, and you're hanging out with your sheep, I'm sure having great conversation, and you're just hanging out there, and there's other shepherds around, and you're doing what shepherds do. You're watching stupid sheep roam around, and when they get out of line, you beat them back in line. When they go too far, you take your hook, and you break their leg, and you carry them on the shoulder, and the leg heals because sheep are stupid. By the way, the Bible says that we are sheep, just throwing it out there. But anyway, that's what shepherds do, right? And all of a sudden, an angel appears. He says, hey, guys, well, now, if an angel appeared to us all of a sudden, would you be a little bit afraid? Oh, yes, you would. Yes, you would. Some of you might have to have a change of clothing, right? I mean, the, the ultimate, I mean, we would just kind of freak out. But the good news is these angels heard, uh, the, the shepherds heard this angel. And think about who these shepherds were. Some scholars would say that these shepherds were considered temple shepherds, which means this, that they would have a, a, a flock of sheep out close to the temple because in the temple they would sacrifice every morning and every evening. 
And so they would have to take these sheep that they had down to the priest, not going into the temple, down to the priest or the synagogue, and they would take these animals, these sheep, and they would sacrifice them, some in the morning and one at night. So these shepherds were close to that. And here they are every day having to take these sheep to the temple or the synagogue to be sacrificed. And all of a sudden you get this announcement that the ultimate lamb of God has come. Not just a lamb, not one of many lambs, but the Lamb of God. Do you think that would have changed their life? Sure did. See, these shepherds who got this message, these guys had no power in society. They had no influence in society. They had no value of anything they brought to baby Jesus. They had nothing. They were unworthy by all measures. But guess what? They are the first people to hear the good news of Jesus and realize this is for us too. This is for us too. Let me just ask you, have you ever met somebody in your life that'll make a silly comment like this. You know, if I ever showed up to church, the, the ceiling would fall in. Anybody ever heard that one? In fact, one time I had a barber that used to cut my hair. And when I lived in Missouri, he always said that. He would joke. I was like, hey, Dan, would you please come to church? Come to church. He's like, listen, if I came to church, the ceiling would cave in. Well, this is, this is the honest, true story. We had a Christmas Eve service and Dan came. It was incredible. Dan came and Dan sat up in the balcony. And I went there to say hi to Dan, and, he, and I said, hey, Dan, how you? his name is Dan Ward. I said, how you doing, Dan? He's like, I'm doing good. He said, but look at my shirt. And on his shirt, the paint on the ceiling had been again to crumble right above him and fell all over his shirt. And he thought what he had said had prophetically become true, that the, well, the ceiling was caving in on him, right? But you know what Dan didn't realize? And I hate to say this, but Dan actually died in a car accident several months after that. Dan didn't realize that despite his past, he'd been married like five or six times, despite his past, but this good news was for him too. He always was saying, you know what, but Doug, you don't know my story. I don't have to know your story. But Doug, you don't know all the things I've done. You don't know how bad I've been. It doesn't matter. The good news is good news. Why? Because it's for everybody. And that should be good news for us too. And if we're going to rediscover our joy, not only do we need to realize where our joy comes from, but we need to remember that our joy can be had by all people. You're never too far gone. You've never done too much. You've never walked away too far that you can experience the joy from the good news of Christ. That is good news for us today. Let me give you a third thing also found in verse 10 that I want you to write down. And it's this. And the angel said to them, behold, he said, says to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Here's the third thing. If we're going to rediscover joy, we need to remember that joy trumps fear. Joy trumps fear. Do you notice it said in the verse before, they were greatly afraid? And now the angel says, hey, fear not. Well, we've just, we've just expanded on the fact that if an angel showed up today, we're all going to chicken out. We're all going to be scared. We're all going to be filled with fear. And fear is something that we see in Scripture, right? I mean, when Adam sinned against God, it said that Adam hid. You know why? Because Adam was what? He was afraid. And I think there's some of us in the room today, if we were honest, we would simply say this, that, that for many of us, we have been robbed of our joy because of fear that is in our life, right? We've been robbed of the joy, the gladness and the cheerfulness based on the truth of the good news because of fear that's in our life. Fear of what, Doug? Well, how about fear of what could happen? Anybody in the room are the kind of people that analyze the situation and you can figure out what you think could happen? Anybody like me like that? Okay. It's terrible sometimes, isn't it? Because we play all the scenarios out. And what does that create for us? Anxiety. Fear. Right? And so many of us in the room, if we were honest, would say that, that our joy has been robbed by fear that we allow into our lives. 
And the angel told these shepherds, who I'm obviously sure were scared to death, going, hey, fear not. Why? Because what I'm about to tell you should trump that fear. What I'm about to tell you is going to not only change your life, but should trump the fear that you've got going on in your life. And listen, I want you to know this. The, the joy that we have and the truth of the good news should always trump the fear that's in our life. Here's what I mean. If we truly have the joy that's found in the truth of the good news, that will trump the fear that we're wrestling with. Why? Because when I think about the good news of Jesus, it's not just the fact that Jesus came. It's also a reminder that God is on his throne, right? That God is in control, that God has a plan, and that God carries out those plans. And when I, listen, this is just Doug talking here. When I fear things in life, that's because I want, you know, control of the situation. I'm scared of what the plan's going to look like. I'm scared of how this thing is going to flesh out. And so I want control, and I, and I have all this fear that's created. Why? Because ultimately, I'm not believing that God is in control. Now, I don't know about you, but here's what we all know. No matter what happens in our life, does it ever catch God off guard? No. No matter what happens in our life, is God still on the throne? Yes. No matter what happens in our life, is God still orchestrating and planning to use us and to do through us what he wants to do? Yes. And if we can find joy in the good news, knowing that Jesus came, but that God is on the throne, that God is in control, should that not trump the fear that we allow into our lives? Yes. So if we're going to rediscover our joy, hear me on this church, some of us got to let go of some fear today. Fear of failure. Fear of being alone. Fear of rejection. You just, just keep adding to the list. Fear of whatever. And realize I'm going to let it go today. Why? Because my God is in control. My God is on the throne. And I see that demonstrated because he sent his only son into the world. And the fact that he had the power to do that lets me know that I, he has the power to deal with whatever fear I'm wrestling with. So joy trumps fear. And there's one more thing I want you to notice this morning. And it's found in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The last thing I want you to notice if we're going to rediscover joy is that joy has a name. What is that name? It's Jesus. Come on, what is that name, church? Jesus. Joy has a name and it's Jesus. See, our joy is not attached to situations. Our joy is attached to a person, right? It's not attached to our circumstances. It's attached to the person of Christ. It says here that he is Christ the Lord. That word Christ, Christos in the Greek language, means he's the anointed one or the chosen one. And the word Lord means he is God. So Jesus is not only Savior of the world, but he is God. Think about that. That my joy that I can have has a name, and that's Jesus. That Jesus is Savior and he is God all at the same time. And here's the point, that if we're truly going to have joy, church, if we're truly going to have the joy we've talked about today, it can only be found in a personal relationship with Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? The only way we can find joy, the only way we can have a gladness and a celebration in our hearts and our souls if we have a personal relationship with Christ. So these shepherds watching these silly sheep have some angels show up. And these angels remind them where they're going to find their joy. These angels remind them their joy is for everybody, not just for them, not just for the who's who. The angel reminds them that this joy they're going to have should trump the fear that they're feeling. And this angel reminds them of this joy, he has a name. 
He is Christ the Lord. He is Jesus. Now, at that moment, listen, at that moment, I know you know the rest of the story, but at that moment, the angels, the, the, the shepherds have a choice, don't they? What do you do with this information? You've received all this. You were scared to death. Maybe not so scared now. What do you do with this information? Well, look what they did in verse 15. Tells us exactly what they did. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, what do they do? They chose joy. Right? Are you with me on that? They chose joy joy. How did the shepherds respond to the news they heard? They chose joy, and get this, and their lives were never the same again, right? At the very very end of verse 20, did you pick up on what it said? And they left there praising and worshiping God, that when they had met baby Jesus, knowing that he was the lamb of God, the one that was going to take away the sins of the world, they left there celebrating and rejoicing because of what they had seen and what they had heard. They chose joy. Now, for us, if we're going to rediscover joy this morning, listen, because I know some of you, listen, I talk to you. I know some of you are struggling. And if we're going to rediscover joy, we got to remember where our joy comes from. It comes from the good news. we got to remember this joy that we have, it's for everybody. No one's left out. We need to remember that the joy we have should always trump the fear that we're wrestling with. And we need to remember that our joy has a name. It's a name that we lift up every Sunday morning, and it's the name of Jesus. And my question for us this morning is this, will we respond like the shepherds? I want to read something to you just real quickly this morning. One of the songs that I really enjoy, I, I struggle sometimes because I often say I love something and then our East Campus staff remind me that I love many things of the same nature. And so I, this is something I strongly like, all right? So I'm just going to throw it in there. It's a song that we sing during Christmas and you know it, you've heard it, but I just want to read the lyrics and why I think they're important. It's the song, Joy to the World. Listen to what it says. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king, and let every heart prepare him room. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. He rules the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love, and heaven and nature sing. The reason we can have joy this morning is because the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. That's why we can have joy. So if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, can I challenge you with a couple of things? Here's the first thing. If you're struggling, choose joy. Choose joy. Choose to let your heart and your mind and your soul dwell on the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for you and let that produce a celebration and a gladness in your soul. Choose joy joy this morning. And then second of all, here's a challenge to this. Celebrate that joy. Sing, praise, and worship the King for what he's done for you. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ. Can I challenge you with something? Choose Jesus. You might be looking for joy, but you're only going to find it in a relationship with Christ. See, the way I see it this morning is every single one of us have a choice to make. Believers, we can either choose joy or we can choose to pursue happiness. Can I tell you where you're going to end up if you pursue happiness? You're going to end struggling. You're going to end distraught, despair. But if you will choose joy, even when you're in the hard seasons of life, it will produce a gladness and celebration. It's unparalleled because you can have joy because of the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. So believers, will you choose joy this morning? Maybe you don't know Christ. Will you choose him?
I'm going to ask you right now. Everybody stand with me if you would. Everybody stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for the story of the shepherds. And God, I just know because I've had too many conversations. I've talked to too many people. I've experienced too many things in life. I know that Christmas, while for some of us, is a time where you get excited, the kids come around, maybe the grandkids come around. God, even with that, what we're, what we're loving in that moment is, is happiness. Even when the grandkids show up, doesn't bring us joy. Even when the kids show up, doesn't bring us joy. It brings us happiness because when they leave, we're sad again. And some of us need to get a grip this morning, Lord, and realize that we need to have joy in our lives, that we need to rediscover the joy that you've given us. And we can only do that by remembering where we get our joy. And not, it's not from situations, circumstances. It's from the truth of your good news. And Lord, I pray that we would choose joy this morning that we would realize this joy that we have access to is for everyone. It doesn't matter what we've done, where we've been, what we've experienced. It's for us too. And that we today, for many believers, Lord, would take this joy that you're offering and let that joy trump the fears that are in our life, the things that are keeping us and holding us back and paralyzing us from living for you. I pray for some believers to lay down those fears and choose joy. So, Lord, I pray for believers this morning that today we would choose joy. And then, Lord, I pray for maybe someone who doesn't know you this morning, that they would realize that joy has a name and it's Jesus. The only way they can have gladness and celebration and cheerfulness of their soul is through a personal relationship with Christ. And, Lord, I pray today that they would choose Jesus by simply just surrendering their life inviting Jesus in to be the boss and the master. So God, whatever decision we need to make today, would you give us the courage to make it? But God, I pray on our hearts, in our mind, and on our lips as we leave this morning is that today, I choose joy. God, we love you and we thank you. For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen this morning. Maybe you just need somebody to pray with you. You're struggling. We've got Jason and Kelly over here and Pat and Willie will be over here. Pull the curtains back. If you just need somebody to pray with you, we got folks. Listen, for some of you, maybe you've got so many fears, you need somebody just to pray over you, to encourage you, to let those things go. Man, they would love to pray with you. Maybe you need prayer and you don't want them to know your junk. Just say, hey, would you just pray for me? They would love to do that. But this morning, if you're a believer, would you choose joy? Not choose fear. But choose joy. Not choose happiness, but choose joy. And if you don't know Christ, would you choose him this morning? Have the Lord lead you to respond. Would you be faithful to do that as we sing?